Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom. Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? Yes, I'm ready to begin, and I just want to say I'm so excited about all the people that are listening to the podcast. What about you, Chandler? It's very exciting. (laughs) All right, let's begin. Okay. Uh, So, uh, for those of you just joining us, the way that the podcast works is, uh, in a moment, I will give my mother the astrological birth data for a random historical figure. Uh, So that means the uh, birth date time and location, uh, but will not give her the name. Uh, She will then enter that information into the bat computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart of that figure. Uh, She will then give us a blind reading of that uh, mystery history guest chart, uh, explaining what she can see about the personal motivations, personality traits, fortunes of this person. And then I will reveal to her who we are looking at, and uh, we will discuss together how accurate the chart is at uh, predicting what that person did. Uh, So, without further ado, here we go. Okay. Uh, This is going to be a female. All right. uh, Born the 30th of August. All right. 1797. Ooh. Uh-huh. And I found a uh, another birth time. I'm not exactly sure where they're getting uh, the birth time from, but I'm going to roll with it as 11:20 p.m. Okay. And uh, country? The country is England or United Kingdom, whichever it lists it as. And birth town? Uh, London. Ooh. So 
So again, this was a female born Ooh. on August 30th, 1797. And it looks like we have our chart popped up here. Yes. This is another person with concentrated planets. Wow. Wow. Okay. This is very fun. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. So I like to start with a North Node as I do. Sometimes I don't, but I do enjoy it. And this person has North Node in Gemini. And it's in the 12th house. So this person has a karmic direction that is involved with it could be it could be uh psychic abilities it could be um an ability to communicate about uh supernatural things it could be uh, a very creative person um that's the direction they should be going okay so mm -hmm. having north node in uh in gemini right and then this person has cancer rising and cancer rising would give this person a watery uh like people would assume maybe, well, there's one of two things. Like if you can have, if you have a water sign rising, especially with the cancer, because cancer is very nurturing. Um, it could be, uh, that this person is easy, um, on the eyes, you know, mm -hmm. not fiery, you know, not, not feisty, not, not super sexy or anything, but just like, just easy on the eyes, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, or this person could be, because you get two sides with every sign, right? Right. So in this situation, <laughs> they could have claws. <laughs> they could have the crab claws out. So that's possible too. Uh, it's interesting to note that, you know, the, the opposition of, of what best case scenario, worst case scenario each sign has. So when you say has the claws, are you saying not an attractive person? Well, I'm saying that this person could come across like a fighter, <laughs> like a crab does coming at you, you know, claws going. It could be. You so know? It, it could either be soothing. Yes. Or fiery. A fighter. Yeah. Well, uh -huh. not fiery, but f like, you know, a crab is covered with a shell. Right? Uh -huh. So it's all soft inside, no matter what you do. So it could either come across soft, or it could be very feisty, and but not fiery. That's different. Uh, it would be, just imagine a crab coming at you. You know, that kind of feeling. Like, this person could... So are you saying, like, like defensive? Yeah, it could be defensive. Okay. It could be. Uh, now, this person also has Saturn in the first house. Saturn in the first house 
Saturn is your planet of lessons. Saturn is where you learn. It's where the, the, the difficulties and lessons come. So this person having this cancer rising with Saturn in the first house could have lessons to do with their image, how they come across, um, how people see them, how mm -hmm. they are perceived. Um, there are lessons to be learned there. I personally would not want Saturn in my first house. Everywhere Saturn is, is going to be where lessons are. This would give a person either a great ability to make themselves better, look better, appear better, be perceived better, or they could struggle with it. Does that make sense? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Uh, there is nothing on the second house, but their second house is also because of the way that their chart is laid out. You have uh, uh, Placidus houses, which gives you a more accurate reading of, of the house cusps. So you'll see that these house cusps are thinner than these, and these are wider, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that. So it could be that this person had difficulty. At the, at the, in, in the beginning of their life with how they look or how they are perceived. I'm not sure. There's something about that first house. Okay. Uh, which is your image. It's how people see, you, you know, whatever, whatever your rising sign is, is how people see you. That's not necessarily how you really are. It's just how they see you, how, how people relate to you on, you know, first meeting. Okay. Okay. So uh, this person has nothing in the first, second, or third houses, all right? But we do get into a pretty heavy fourth house, and that fourth house being ruled by Virgo. And Virgo is, uh, Virgo and Gemini are um, both ruled by Mercury, which is communications, okay? This person has Sun, seven degrees Virgo, Mercury, 28 degrees Virgo. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Mars, where's your Mars? Mars at one degree Virgo and Uranus at 12 degrees Virgo. So fourth house is the house of home and um, uh, you know, your your connection to your home and your country and how you even like things in your house, how you keep your house, um, all of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so this person has a heavy fourth house with this Uranus there. It could mean this person moved a lot or wherever this person was, things could happen out of the blue like earthquakes or tornadoes or uh, upheaval in government or, you know, all those kind of things. Um, they have Sun conjunct Mars conjunct Mercury, which is a conjunct Uranus, which is not a triple, it's a quadruple, and it's in Virgo. So I would think this person needed a lot of structure and created a lot of structure, organization, 
even possibly you know medical healing like a doctor or a he a, a type of healer it, not necessarily a doctor but it is you know the 1700s so it would be very unusual for a woman to be a doctor in this time because if women were doing any kind of healing they might be burned at the stake mm -hmm. so there's that now she could be a midwife maybe something that has to do with that all right then we go to the fifth house which she has venus three degrees libra she has chiron at five degrees libra and neptune is in scorpio right yeah neptune is in scorpio in the fifth house so you see how this this line right here shows you where the cusp is of changing from libra to scorpio right mm -hmm. so her neptune is here it's still in the fifth house because it's such a wide orb right for her uh fifth house uh because of the placidus houses but um she has venus conjunct chiron chiron is the wounded healer chiron you start with it's it's karmic right it wherever your chiron is is where you have to deal with perhaps past lives um karma the wounds of a past life right and she's got them in the fifth house so fifth house has to do with children uh entertainment uh leadership these kinds of things mm -hmm. and her venus is there so that venus for a woman a heterosexual woman would be her um you know how she interacts with women and how and the things that she likes and loves you know like venus represents jewelry and 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 clothing and things like that and in this particular situation uh this person has chiron conjunct that which means early on they would have probably had difficulty accepting these things or 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 having any of these things perhaps they were um uh poor or they could have had a lot of money but had issues with how they feel about these things material things but also female energy uh also having neptune there even though neptune is in scorpio which is its home planet because neptune is ruled by pluto no never mind sorry <laughs> that's not true uh yeah uh in this situation um their neptune is in scorpio but neptune is ruled by uh pisces or pisces neptune rules pisces so that again is creativity um psychic ability all the things that are known you know for piscean people but they have neptune and scorpio in the fifth house neptune and scorpio gives you a little bit more psychic ability it gives you an edgier psychic ability an edgier ability for creativity in this situation um 
this person could have been a performer or had the ability to lead with like create cre um, like creative manipulation does that make any sense a little bit okay uh then we go to the sixth house and uh they have moon in sagittarius okay so sagittarius is very sagittarius is the wild one it's the beastie one uh a woman with moon in sagittarius would make her very independent it would make her uh earthy it would make her love nature um in this situation since it's moon in sagittarius in the sixth house i would almost see this person could possibly go out into the woods and pick herbs and make things out of them like healing tonics mm -hmm. if that makes any sense mm -hmm. uh because that would be something that this person would be passionate about because sixth house is ruled by virgo all right and virgo is medical healing and also work uh this person would have loved to work but they would have loved to work outside in the in nature or work with nature maybe they wanted to work with nature and animals i don't know then there's not really anything in the seventh eighth or ninth houses but then we get to the tenth house and pluto is in aquarius in the tenth house so there would be a very powerful uh career-minded person because 10th house is your career and we know that not many women had careers in the 1700s so this would have been a powerful woman in uh whatever um whatever she was trying to do that would possibly be an income she had the power to do it she she could uh manifest this and she she should have been a very um intuitive person so her pluto is in aquarius which is humanitarian but it's at 29 degrees so it's right there on pisces so i would say that this person is on the cusp of uh of pisces aquarius same with the moon her moon is also on the cusp and her uh, Mercury is on the cusp. Anything that's in that orb of 30 degrees is on the cusp. Or the orb, the other side, like one, two, three, four, five. So uh, I would I would think that she would be very creative in her career and have it somehow be connected to some sort of humanity or the dark side, which would be totalitarianism. But um, this person also has Jupiter in Aries in the 11th house. So Jupiter and Aries would make this person, this would give them a, a bit of fire. It would give them a benevolence in the 11th house with groups. I would assume that groups of people loved her. Uh, I think that she has a lot of power with the people in a benevolent way a 
Jupiter. It could be like, it could be anything from like feeding a bunch of people to having people admire her greatly. Mm-hmm. Does any of this making sense? Because I'm a little lost here. I, I have to say, um, I think out of all of the ones that we've done, this is the one that is, uh, it's very mixed. There are some things that are absolutely right on point, and there are some things that uh, almost seem kind of the opposite of what this person is known for. Now, everyone has internal struggles between them and and things like that, and it's also possible that uh, there are aspects of her private life that we don't know, and we're actually getting insights into that based on these things. Um, but it's, uh, there are some things that are really, really right on. And then other things that are very curious. Hmm. Well, um, I think that maybe the birth time could be wrong. That's possible. Absolutely. And if the birth time is wrong, then that could throw things way out of kilter. Okay. Um, so, you know, I can just look at the aspects for a second. Okay. And forget about looking at where they are in the chart. I'm just saying that Sun conjunct Mercury conjunct Mars conjunct Uranus in Virgo would make this person an extremely powerful person. Mm-hmm. And this person would be uh, very analytical. They could be extremely smart. Um, very organized. Uh, it could make them a little more analytical than than caring. You know what I mean? Moon and Sag is going to go along with that because the moon and Sag, a woman with moon and Sag is just imagine a woman riding bareback on a horse with a bow and arrow. And mm-hmm. she's just out. She's just, she's just day tripping, right? She's just doing whatever she wants. Whatever she wants. That's what... That's what she wants to do, all right? Okay, yeah. Okay, so then we go to Venus and Libra. Venus and Libra. Uh, Venus and Libra would make her really love beautiful things, all right? Um, Pretty and lovely things. Um, Then we go to... Jupiter and Aries, Jupiter and Aries would give her a lot of fire with that moon in Sag. Mm-hmm. It would give her, a. it would just, it would just try that and blow it out. Right. Mm-hmm. So this could be a very fiery person. And this would mean that this person could be um, powerful and could even have a really hot temper. But uh, their Mars is in Virgo, but having this Jupiter conjunct moon, I would think it would make her even more independent, like even more like, don't even think about trying to control me because you're not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then Saturn in Cancer, the lesson for this person would be that they need to learn nurturing. They need to learn that. But I don't know that you could tame this woman in that way. Neptune in Scorpio would make her very creative and have probably psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pluto in Aquarius would be um, 
it would give her power with people, power with, um, you know, because it's Pluto and Aquarius. So Pluto is death and rebirth or power in general. It's, um, that's what it means. So having this person with Pluto and Aquarius, uh, would give them, uh, a powerful humanitarian aspect, unless they were full-blown totalitarian, which mm -hmm. would, which could also be, especially with all that. I mean, the dark side of this person could be, they were just so powerful that they had to be put down. Like they were just out of control. And then that Chiron and Libra connecting Venus, con conjunct Venus, um, there's that wounded healer there. If they came through the wounded part and made it through that, then they would be more um, comfortable, I guess, with all the Venusian things that are in Libra. Because Libra, Libra's like very beautiful. Libra's very beautiful, right? Where Sag is Earth. Like this person could just go be moon and sag and be in the dirt and hunt pigs or whatever mm -hmm. you know but that venus and libra makes them like really pretty things so they would then go shower and put a really pretty dress on <laughs> is that better because maybe the houses are all wrong if it if just the aspects themselves like the sun moon mercury venus mars blah 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 make more sense to you being out of the chart and me not connecting them to a house, then it could very well be that that's not the right birth time. I mean, again, I mean, the, a lot of it makes a lot of sense, but there are some things that just seem uh, very odd. The the analytical, organized um, that that seems very interesting to me, and it's possible that it's just uh, that that they outwardly seemed like they were not very analytical or organized um uh, but inwardly actually were and this is an insight that we're getting into their life well but. you're probably bringing that from because that moon and sag on that jupiter and aries are so powerful mm -hmm. that i mean i don't know who this is but it seems I, to me that a woman with moon and sag with jupiter and aries would be a fire queen mm -hmm. like a a a, a, a uncontrollable i don't know so uh what what would this person's relationship to communication be i would think that this person was a really good communicator i would think that this person was or they should be a very good communicator because they have um you know they have mercury and virgo they should be a very good communicator. They, when they communicate, it would almost be, but not, not like gregarious communication, like analytical communication mm -hmm. or, um, like medicinal. I mean, Virgos can be very, very analytical. Mm -hmm. Uh, what role, uh, would their parents uh, play in their life? How would they relate to their father or mother and all that? Well, I would assume with this moon in Sagittarius that whoever's whoever this person's mother was was uh, pretty wild because um, 
passionate, um, but also possibly, well, I don't know. I can't look at the houses because I'm, I'm thinking from what you're saying and what I'm telling you about where these planets are in the houses that probably the birth time is not direct, mm-hmm. but, um, I would think that this person, because she has, if the birth time is correct, okay, that's putting the moon in Sag. If the birth time is not correct, then the moon could be in a different sign. It could be in Capricorn or Pisces. Okay. So, if the moon of this person was in Capricorn, that would make the mother very cold and distant. Mm-hmm. If the moon for this person was in Pisces, it would make the mother more uh, watery and emotional and uh, possibly psychic. And it would make this person more psychic because they would have moon in Pisces. If any of those make sense, because any of those three things could be depending on if the birth time is right or not. Okay. And uh, the relationship with the father? Relationship with the father. You go to Saturn to look at the father, and this person has Saturn and Cancer, which would make the father kind of nurturing. Okay. It should make the father kind of nurturing. But it could also be the opposite side of that, where the father was like a, a wild crab. So it is possible that it could make uh, this person's father a nurturing you know, helpful person. In this situation, you have, you know, you look to the moon for the mother and you look to Saturn for the father. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, what sort of uh, morals would this person have? Well, that depends. Because if the moon is in Sag... They could have very good, you know, law-abiding morals. Or they could have wild woodswomen woodswomen morals, you know, very uh, pagan, very, you know, worship nature and do whatever, you know, whatever, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It could be be either way because, you know, it could be very law-abiding or it could be pretty wild. And, uh, I don't know. But that's just from, because you don't know where the moon is? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of stepping away from this chart at this point and, and looking at it from the perspective of what the aspects are. Uh But no matter what, this person, it, but then again, okay, if the time is off, this person could have moon in, possibly have moon in, um, Capricorn, which would make them, uh, which would make them, people who have moon and Capricorn don't deal with their emotions very well. They prefer not. <laughs> they, they can be very good parents. They can be loving. They can be very loving. But when it comes to like relationships and things like that, I don't think that they, they don't trust that aspect of themselves. Then the mm-hmm. other side of that coin is if this person you know, if the time is off and this person has moon in Pisces, which would make them very emotional and very uh, um, creative and 
uh, very kind of pie in the sky, you know? So depending on the time for this, but these outer planets are going to be the same. And I don't know if they're going to fall in the first house or not, but mm -hmm. they are in Virgo. I mean, in the fourth house or not, but they are in Virgo. And so, Virgo, all that Virgo, uh, it, it also can be very, um, all that Virgo can be very um, beautiful, you know? So, I mean, I, I don't know for sure what this person has rising, but with a lot of Virgo in your chart, it, it could be, you know, beauty. But uh, like when you say something like the moon in Sag could mean that it's law abiding or very pagan. Yeah, earthy. Yeah, kind of pagan. That those, uh, it, it almost sounds like, that, I mean, that almost means it could be anything. Like well, a, it's the two aspects. It's like when you look at Aquarius and you say, okay, well, this is normally humanitarian, but the dark side of that is totalitarianism. You know, so it's how all the other aspects of the chart is what influences it one way or the other. Well, it isn't necessarily the aspects of the chart. Yes, that is true. Sometimes the aspects of the chart will do that, but it's also in the upbringing and the environment. You know, okay. like when we did one of them, I said this man could have been a very good person. If you're catching who I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I know. Because, yes. Okay. So I was like, this person could have been a very good person, but we knew enough about him to know that he grew up basically in a hell environment. Mm -hmm. So all of that turned dark, right? Yeah. So it, it's not just about the aspects in your chart that tell you, oh, this is what's going to happen. It's also what you know about the person and and their life and those kind of things. So um I would I would I would personally like to know this person. I would feel like uh this person was very smart and um had some cool aspects to them, mm -hmm. you know. But I like fiery people. <laughs> so and I like I like woodsy fiery people i'm mm -hmm. like hippie chicks uh but i mean this is not a hippie chick because of all the planets in virgo i don't think this person would have been that i don't know i mean this the, is clearly kind of, this, this is person was a very conflicted person i think so uh so <laughs> what um what sort of person would uh she be attracted to uh, uh for a romantic relationship Okay, well, if she's heterosexual, she has Mars at one degree Virgo, which means she also has Mars that, that goes backwards, right? The orb of it goes backwards into Leo. So she could be anywhere between wanting a, a very Leo man, which would be, you know, um, a very secure... Uh, very um uh aware of himself leader type of man right uh-huh or she could come this way into the virgo side and want like a doctor uh very smart very uh 
communicative man. But that's where, I mean, I wouldn't go like, oh, she wants a Piscean man. No, she she's right in this area where she would want probably one of these two men. That's what she should want. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes people don't know what they want. Right. Until they're old. <laughs> they don't realize what they're, they don't look at their Mars. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So then karma just takes over and they live their whole life and then they figure it out later. But, you know. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't know if I'm making any sense at all. I think I. I, I it's very think, hard to be me doing these because I have no idea who I'm talking. I about. mean, I, I, it, it. We're not playing around here. I, I'm not uh, giving mom a crib sheet about who who okay. this person is. Yep. Um, this is a blind reading, and yep. I think that as we go forward and after I reveal who it is, I have some thoughts as to how we can pull it all together. Okay. Um, my uh, last question would be, um, what would this person's relationship with death be? Death. Well, they have Pluto and Aquarius. So having Pluto and Aquarius, but also it's at 29 degrees, Pluto and Aquarius. Um, their eighth house strangely enough is capricorn so eighth house is death and rebirth inheritance so but it also their eighth house also goes into that aquarius so i mean i don't think they would have an obsession with it uh i think Um, I, I, I think having Pluto in Aquarius would make you possibly think even like, you know, it could give you cosmic ideas, you know, about death. It could open up this whole next level of research into that whole like Aquarian age about other dimensions and stuff like that. But that's pretty far for this person to be born almost in 1800. But I don't know. I mean, during that time, I think maybe a lot of people were doing, uh, maybe, uh, you know, um, seances and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there any other, uh, things you'd like to, uh, uh, any other insights you can get from the chart here? Okay. Here's where I, I, this, looking at this chart just by the aspects, I would say that this person has, you also, not just Saturn, you would also look at the sun for the father too. And the sun is in Virgo. Okay. Uh, having the sun be in Virgo, her father could also be a doctor. There's something about medicine here or there should be, or healing, or something. Okay. So, um, I, I, yeah. I think I know how this all comes together. But, um, okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's not obvious, but I think, okay. I think I know how it all comes together. Okay, I just want to say one more thing. This person, I would say, is conflicted, but at the same time, this person could have taken 
all of this Jupiter in Aries and this moon in Sag and the Venus in Libra and all this uh, fire and air and earth that they have and turned it into a really amazing um, natural healer. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this person did. And they right. have North Node and Gemini, which is communication. So They should have been a good communicator. Yes. So uh I'm 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 writing down my 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 revelation here <laughs> that I will give uh to at the end of the uh uh summary. Okay. Uh, so I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, summarize uh, all that we've been talking about here. Okay. I'll give you all the things of first that seem r very close to who this person is, and then some of the things that seem more out there. Um, okay. So, well, first thing you said was person could uh, communicate about supernatural things. Yes. Creative, uh, attractive, lessons with how she is perceived. Um, moved a lot, uh, traveled, and there were upheavals at home. Issues with how she felt about material things. Uh, lead with creativity. Independent-minded, earthy, love nature, uh, powerful, career-minded, creative in career, loved by people in a benevolent way, smart, uh, someone who rides into challenges, uh, fiery, independent, uh, learn, nurturing, creative, psychic, uh, mother was wild and passionate, possibly, uh, father, uh, nurturing, uh, and possibly defensive, uh, very pagan, loose morals, maybe, um, looking for a, a leader or a very smart man uh, for romantic partnerships, uh, cosmic ideas about death. Um, medicine plays a large role in this person's life. Um, some of the things that don't quite add up, or uh, some of the opposites of what we've talked about. So uh, one of them was not fiery, uh, someone who is soothing, but uh, when provoked can become defensive. Okay, that's but all that, that was, if we, if this is the cancer rising, uh -huh. that's what that would be. Yeah. That would be appear, not actually be, but when people first meet you, that's how, that's what they perceive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, needed or created structures. Uh, the the healing kept coming up, and, and we'll see. I think that that does fit in, but it's just in a roundabout way. Mm -hmm. um, analytical and organized, and can sometimes be perceived as more analytical than caring. Um, I think that's all that there was on the doesn't quite make absolute sense part. Mm -hmm. um, does all that sound right from, from what we've been discussing here? Yes, that's the dark side. Like a Virgo, all this Virgo can either be really um, like 
they're hard workers, very hard workers. Like they could work in this fourth house. There's a lot of work, like work out of your home or work on your home. There's a lot of work on the home. There's work there, right? Yeah. But which is Virgonian, right? Uh -huh. That's work and so much work in the fourth house. And with that, that Uranus there, then that has like this odd turn, you know, like it would, it would, you're working and then you, something changes and you change the work and then you do more work and then you change it again. But that analytical part of Virgo can be cold. It can be, it doesn't have to be because they can be very good medical, you know, healing type of people. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, are you ready to find out whose chart you've been reading? I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm well, that, wrong. that, that's, so <laughs> this, uh, this podcast is scheduled to be released on October 29th, uh, the Friday before Halloween. And, uh, that fact has not uh, been lost on your co-host. And I have selected someone who is intricately connected with Halloween. This is the astrological birth chart of Mary Shelley. <gasps> oh. oh, my. Okay, yes. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Because she's, she's a writer, right? Right. So, so yeah, Mer Mercury, Mercury rules Virgo. So, mm -hmm. yeah, she's very organized and she's a writer. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes very good sense. And people did love her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, okay, no, a lot of this makes sense. Oh, yay, that's very good. And that North Node in Gemini in the 12th house talking about supernatural things. Oh, heck yes. yeah, that's dead on. Yes. Okay, all right. Uh, so, uh, Mary Shelley uh, is most. Uh, known for writing Frankenstein, for those of you <laughs> who were not aware. Uh, so uh, Mary Shelley was born uh, Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin uh, on August 30th, 1797 in London. Uh, she was born to uh, some pretty radical parents. Uh, her father was William Godwin. Uh, he was a philosopher, a writer, a political thinker of the time. Um, and uh, her mother was Mary Wollstonecraft, a fellow radical philosopher, one of the founders of feminism. Uh, Wollstonecraft's uh, Vindication of the Rights of Women was uh, published after her death in 1798. This book is still taught in universities today as one of the founding documents of feminist ideology. Uh, in it, she wrote about her affairs and her the illegitimate child that she had, uh, as well uh, as her beliefs on women's intellectual equality with men. Uh, uh, Mary Shelley's mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, uh, passed away 11 days after Mary was born. Uh, Shelley uh, was brought up to revere her mother. Uh, she received a rather unconventional education uh, from her father, uh, William Godwin. Uh, his political theories uh, were very much had an anarchist bent. Uh, he is writing in the time uh, following the French Revolution. Uh, he has thoughts on how uh, government is the root of all evil, that uh, 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 
wants to help the downtrodden and all of the regular social customs, the uh, aristocracy, all of that is wrong and needs to be taken down by force if necessary. Um, and Godwin gave uh, Shelley uh, a, a great desire for knowledge. So while maybe not having the most conventional education, and at times Godwin even thought that he wasn't giving his daughter the education that uh, Mary Wollstonecraft would have wanted for her daughter, she still grew up with a very uh, intense thirst for knowledge. Uh, Percy Shelley uh, was a devotee of Godwin. Uh, he stridently believed in all of uh, um, Godwin's causes. So helping the downtrodden, uh, all of the uh, uh, anarchy beliefs, the uh, throwing down of old regimes, and all of the free love that uh, marriage, uh, Godwin believed that marriage was a monopoly and one of the worst institutions. Um, all of these social norms had to be done away with. And Percy Shelley started writing uh, to Godwin letters uh, talking about how much he learned from Godwin, and uh, Godwin would read these letters uh, in the home. So Mary Shelley, before she ever met Percy Shelley, was well aware of who this man was. Uh, they would meet in 1814 uh, at Godwin's bookstore. Uh, Mary was 16. Uh, she was fierce, independent, uh, but uh, very impressionable. Uh, Percy was 21. Uh, he had a very similar mindset, uh, very radical ideas, uh, but he was married uh, with a wife and child. Uh, but in this time where there are all these free ideas, uh, mm -hmm. Percy Shelley uh, was not so much concerned that he was already married because he didn't believe that marriage was a good institution anyway. Uh, <laughs> so he started to court uh, Mary uh, Godwin. Uh, William Godwin did not approve of any of this. Uh, but really, uh, in my mind, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. William was all uh, about free love and getting rid of marriage and uh, the dissolution of social mores. Um, but then once it happens to his own daughter, then he starts getting very defensive about it. Uh, told the two that they could not uh, talk to each other. At one point, Percy actually came to the house and uh, tried to create a Romeo and Juliet, tried to give her poison, and uh, was about to shoot himself, and Mary was the one to convince them not to do this. Um, after one month, one month after they met, Percy and uh, Mary ran away together. They did not run away alone. Uh, they ran away with Mary's stepsister. Uh, this was uh, because Percy very much believed in free love, so he wanted to have two concubines in his new commune that he was starting. He was uh, also planning on sending for his wife to join them, too. Uh, the trio uh, traveled uh, through war-torn France. Uh, they were devouring philosophy, and uh, this was very... They really were soulmates, uh, Percy and Mary, and... Uh, uh, their discussions of intellectual uh, ideas and philosophy and all of these things. Um, this uh, one of the stories says that during this trip is where uh, Mary first heard of a doctor 
who attempted to bring people back from the dead, and that this doctor lived at a castle which was at the Rock of the Franks. Uh, the Rock of the Franks, translated into German, is Frankenstein. Uh, they eventually returned to England because they ran out of money. Uh, yeah. They were continuing this bohemian life. Uh, Percy had lots of affairs. He was with uh, Mary's stepsister and with Mary. Um, he was constantly dodging creditors. Uh, they were living hand-to-mouth, essentially broke for most of this time. And at the age of 17 years old, uh, Mary became pregnant with Percy's uh, child. Uh, she gave birth uh, to a baby two months premature, uh, and the daughter died a few mm. days later. Um, Mary uh, had a, a very intense dream the next night about uh, uh, what it would be like to, to just take the baby, the, the, the deceased baby, and bring it over to the fire and try and bring the baby back to life. Uh, in the summer of 1816, uh, they, the trio was invited uh, to Lord Byron's villa on Lake Geneva. And uh, as we go through the podcast, uh, we'll discover all of the things that I'd like to add to my personal to-do list. Uh, we've already discussed that I would like to marry a wealthy widow in Salon de Provence. <laughs> I would also like to have a villa uh, by Lake Geneva. <laughs> Uh, this villa was infamous. Uh, there were tourists who would hide out in the bushes and bring telescopes to see what was going on in Lord Byron's villa. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Byron had all sorts of wild parties and things going on there. And uh, Mary and Percy uh, and the stepsister were all invited uh, for these uh, parties. And uh, during this summer, uh, they were entertaining themselves uh, by uh, smoking lots of opium oh, and no. uh, uh, reading German ghost stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, as uh, the uh, ShamWow guy said, you know, the Germans, they always make good stuff. <laughs> uh, so they were reading these German ghost stories. And at one point, Percy, who always thought he was a genius, said that he was getting bored of these stories. And Byron then challenged them all to try and figure out a better ghost story. Uh, Mary was probably the only one who really took this challenge to heart, uh, and she was embarrassed after a couple of days that she had not thought of a better ghost story. But then one night, she had a very intense, vivid dream uh, of a, a medical student uh, standing over a hideous creation stretched out uh, and brought to life by a horrible engine, and uh, that was uh, the initial story of uh, uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, she continued writing this story out. It started as a little uh, short story and then uh, was encouraged by Percy to make it into uh, a full novel, a full story, and uh, got this uh, work completed. Uh, she uh, definitely won the contest between them all, uh, especially because she was probably the only one who took it seriously. <laughs> and uh, at the age of 18, uh, pinned Essentially, the first work of science fiction ever. Uh, this is Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus. Uh, Percy, through his connections, managed to get the novel published uh, anonymously, because you couldn't have a book published by a female author in 1800s uh, anywhere, really, but here in England. Uh, so uh, it was at first published anonymously, 
And the first 500 copies just, as uh, Frankenstein's creation, took on a life of their own. Uh, they were passed around uh, ravenously by all the intellectuals in London. This became one of the great gothic horror stories. Um, the rest of uh, Mary and Percy's life is is really very sad. Uh, lots of uh, tragic things happened. Uh, disease, suicide, a tragedy followed uh, the young couple. Uh, Mary's half sister, uh, Fanny. This is the uh, this is Mary Wollstonecraft's first uh, illegitimate daughter. Uh, she committed suicide uh, shortly after uh, Mary Shelley uh, wrote this book. Um, the stepsister uh, cohort, Claire, she was uh, very much in love with Lord Byron, and uh, she gave birth to uh, Byron's illegitimate child. Lord Byron did not accept uh, that that child was his. Then he later uh, decided to take the child from Claire and gave it to a convent, and that child died five years later. Uh, Percy, uh, the Percy's actual wife, who was in England during all this, uh, she also committed suicide, uh, having and she had an unborn child when she did mm. that. Uh, the court in England ruled that Percy was an unfit father. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, but uh, Percy decided to uh, legitimize his relationship with Mary, and they got married. Uh, and that's when Mary actually got the last name of Mary Shelley. And uh, then they both did get custodianship of the children. Um, then uh, the son, William, and another daughter uh, would uh, pass away, both from disease. Uh, Mary uh, nearly died from a miscarriage. Uh, Percy uh, continued on with all of his love affairs while all this was going on. In the summer of 1822, Percy left uh, with a friend uh, to go on a trip on the friend's new boat, and none of them uh, returned from the trip. Um, Percy's body was found on a beach uh, several days later, and the only way that they could identify the body was that he was carrying a letter that was written to him by Mary. All of this happened before Mary was 25 years old. Mm. Uh, her life's work after Percy's death was uh, preserving her husband's legacy. Uh, she uh, moved back to England and uh, held court with lots of uh, intellectuals and writers and creative people. In 1826, the American actor, uh, John Howard Payne, uh, proposed to Mary Shelley, was madly in love with her, uh, she turned him down, saying, after being married to one genius, I can only marry another. <laughs> uh, Mary Shelley continued writing and uh, preserving Percy's legacy until her death in 1851. Uh, she was 53 years old. Hmm. Uh, her legacy, uh, one, I mean, she was uh, a daughter of radical uh, thinkers and continued in this radical lifestyle herself, a pioneer of feminism, pioneer of gothic horror, and uh, really she's the only reason that we uh, have all Percy Shelley's writings. So we only remember Percy Shelley because of Mary. And then it cannot be stressed enough that she uh, really uh, essentially founded the genre of science fiction uh, with Frankenstein. Uh, so how uh, the, the chart all works into this, uh, while mm -hmm. she was not a doctor and she was not a, uh, 
related to a doctor. Godwin was not a doctor. But medicine played a very big role in yes. her life. Yes. Uh, she was fascinated by medicine from the time of being a little girl, and that is what got her the inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankenstein yes. uh, putting uh, uh, the cadavers together to create the monster. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking about all the, the analytical things, uh, on, on first glance, when you read into her life, she's a very free-willing, uh, uh, wheeling uh, person. Uh, one of the documentaries uh, was done by the BBC that I watched in preparation for this. The uh, narrator said that... Uh, Mary's life uh, looked a lot more like the hippies of the 1960s. Uh, He really hit the consonants on hippies. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that at first didn't really click in with me with all the talk of the analytics. uh, uh, Yeah. uh, But, uh, of course, you would need to have some good organization to put a story like this together. And also, you know, putting together a person... You know, it's both the nature and the nurture. So this was a person who had a lot of organizational and analytical skills who was born into a very radical, free-willing, wheeling family. And uh, so putting these two things together, uh, and a lot of times while she proposed and while she uh, said that she believed in all of these ideas of free love, she never married anyone else but Percy and never had a relationship with anyone else but Percy. She was fully committed to one monogamous relationship, even mm-hmm. though she said and and, and uh, promoted the opposite. Uh, so I think all of that comes together, and th- this chart really is uh, pretty accurate to who Mary Shelley was. Yeah, this also, all of this Virgo is intellectualism. And remember when I said... You you can get to a point with a Virgo to where that analytical but also intellectual turns mm-hmm. cold. Yeah. Where you know they've in, they've they've worked themselves into a place intellectually where they have no boundaries, which is cold. You know mm-hmm. you you don't you're not you're not a a warm loving person when you don't have any boundaries. So. Um, that does make sense. And knowing who she is and this tragedy with children, you know, that's very, that's very tragic because it's fifth house. If this is correct, that would, um, yeah, that was quite a lot. It's, um, I don't think that the Pluto, the death and rebirth is so much about, uh, you know, what would she think about death? Because it comes over here where she was so driven by the medical aspects of it and how how the death and rebirth could be. And that's also Pluto in the 10th house, but on the cusp of Pisces, which would make her a powerful imagination. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it could even be powerful imagination, right, in Pisces about death and rebirth. So imagination death and rebirth which would lead you there and so very interesting but her that whole freewheeling you know moon and sag clearly her mom what moon and sag very independent right and then this um jupiter in you know aries in the 11th house makes her very um it was like, okay, well, they're doing opium, they're drinking, they're, it's a lot of debauchery, right? Mm-hmm. 
Jupiter is very, you know, uh, Jupiter is the father of Bacchus, right? So, I mean, Jupiter is benevolence. It's like too much. It could be too much of a good thing, you know, and that's where she liked to be in crowds of people having too much of a good thing. But yeah, I mean, okay, it, it, it does all come together in the end. It really does. And I'm not sure that Mary Shelley was known as a beautiful woman. I don't remember that she was known as a, you know. I think uh, at the time that she she was, uh, uh, the, I mean, Percy was attracted to her, not her just beauty. because of her legacy, not just because mm-hmm. of her being Godwin's daughter, but mm-hmm. also because she was a, a pretty good looking lady. Maybe her Saturn here has to do with the fact that she couldn't, you know, she couldn't originally publish her own work. Maybe. I don't know. There's something about that Saturn in the first house. And maybe it'll come to me later. But there's something about because Saturn puts restraints on the aspect where it is or it makes you learn that. And so it's in the first house, which is your appearance you know, how people, how people react to you. Perhaps it could have even been like a teacher. She could have been, she could have had teaching aspects about her, something like that. Don't know. But that is amazing. And that one, this I think was the hardest one for me because it's such a dichotomy Mm -hmm. of a confetti of things, you know, it's very interesting. You can see it when you look at it now, you know, yes. when you know who it is. It yes. makes perfect sense. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what makes us such a great experiment, is that it, it, it would be so easy to point to it if you already know who it is. Right. Oh, well, all these things make sense. But yeah. the, the stumbling around and finding it uh, organically, it, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun for us. And I, I hope it's a lot of fun for the, <laughs> for the listener at home. I hope it's a lot of fun for the listeners at home. We they do seem to like it, so I'm glad about that. That's very good. I'm I'm really enjoying watching it build. You know, watching people come in and and listen to episodes. And we love you guys. Mm-hmm. Please keep listening. <laughs> uh, so on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, uh, this one looked like it was a little bit in the middle for a while, but I think it came back around. I think we got another one right on the money. <laughs> yeah, it's very clear once you know who it is. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that concludes this episode of History and Retrograde. I'd like to thank you all for uh, listening at home. And uh, please like, share, and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Tell your friends. And, uh, you know, as always in closing, as long as your houses are in order and your stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.